You guys, thank you, Golfside. <laughs> You're awesome. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Be seated. Hey, I walked in today, and I, Haley, I don't know where you're sitting. I met Haley. Where are you, Haley? Oh, I'm going to embarrass you. Come on, I'm going to give you a warm welcome. I'm going to give you my book. Everybody else has to buy it. Come on, stand up, Haley. Come up here. Would you welcome this young lady to golf the first Sunday? You made my day today. Here you go. Come on, warmer than that. Welcome her to golf site. God bless you for finding us online. I hope you, and I'll, I'll sign that for you later, and then it's worth another quarter. So, so, okay, you come back and see me. Come on. Isn't it great to have people just walk in here? And I asked her how she found the church. She said online, and you know that, I'm going to preach something today that's just all about why she found this church. Because this is how God speaks to us. You know, I, I used to get frustrated when I hear people say, God told me this. I thought, did he say that out loud? Are you that way? But that's not, I'm going to tell you how God speaks to us. And if you've heard him out loud, then you're, you're more fortunate than us, or you're on more meds than me. I don't know. But the point is, God does speak to us by his spirit. We're going to talk about that today. So great to be back with you. I'm glad Paul's getting a break. Mom, thank you for keeping the kids. Grandmas are the best. Grandpas are awesome, too. I got six grandkids, so very excited for what you're doing and blessing them. Uh, listen, I want to direct you. I always teach a catchphrase when I come, okay? So here it is, and you got to say it after me with some energy, okay? You never know, say that, where the road of life is going to take you. I want you to think about that. Now, those of us who are older, we know, oh, man, if we had known where the road of life was going to take us, if God had told us, we'd say, I'm not going there, right? I'm not going there. Too many, too many bumps along the road, too, too much pain. A lot of joy, but too much pain along the way. So you never know, say it with me, you never know where the road of life is going to take you. And the Bible teaches this so clearly, but it also teaches us that sometimes God asks us to go down roads that we wouldn't normally take. And so I'm going to tell you two, two Bible stories today, two passages. One of them you're not going to know super well. You might know about it. The other one you're going to know super well. But I want to tie it to one verse that's not in either of those passages. Because Jesus said to us boldly in the Sermon on the Mount, You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be good for anything anymore, it says. It's not good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by people. So we often come to a verse like that and right away say, okay, I'm the salt of the earth. And, and, we, and we hear it wrong. We think Jesus means kind of be like salt, kind of be tasty or be flavorful or, or give some preservative stuff, okay? But that's not what he said. He didn't say be like salt. He said, look at me, people, you are the salt of the earth. So I'm going to teach you a formula today of how to be the salt because what salt did in Jesus' day, everybody knew what he meant when he said, you are the salt of the earth, you're the preservative. Food couldn't be kept in any way, any fashion without salt. So if it lost its saltiness, if it lost its potency, then all the food would be destroyed. It'd be ruined, okay? So salt was only good if it kept its potency. So I want you to know that's what Jesus was saying to us, that we are the salt of the earth and if we lose our potency factor we're of no good at all to the kingdom of God and so today I'm going to have you check that out so here's the formula I want to teach you it's HP high potency 
I want you to ask yourself, if I were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict me? Come on, did that grab your heart? No, come on. Could people really tell that my whole life is centered on Jesus? Could they tell that by looking at my calendar, by looking at what I do with my money? Could they figure out that I have huge potency in my life? So it's high potency plus close personal relationship, so CP, plus CC, which is clear communication, equals maximum impact. So if you want to make maximum impact with your life for Christ, that's the formula, okay? If you want to be the salt of the earth, check out your potency factor. Are you close to people? And can you clearly communicate the message that God wants us to communicate to make a maximum impact for him? Now listen, God takes us down the road of life that sometimes we don't want to travel. But let me, let me, let me start with Acts chapter 8, alright? This is the verse that's not in front of you, so I want you to listen to the story. Philip, I like, I like people that we name in the Bible that are just normal kind of people. I know he's one of the followers of Jesus, but he's not one of the big three. He's not Peter or James or John. Come on, he's normal like us. Look at me, people. He's normal like us. And Philip actually just took care of the, of the ordinary work of, 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 the, of the church, so to speak. Took care of the widows and took care of the, make sure they were fed. Took care of kind of the, the, the bread cupboard where they gave out food to the widows and whatever. And he was just normal. But here's the powerful part of his story. One day, he was going from Jerusalem down to Gaza. And God's Spirit spoke to him. Back to what I began with. When people say, God spoke to me, what really happened? The Spirit impressed upon Philip to go down a road that had been closed down. It was now a desert road. It was a dangerous road. You should never take this road. Now listen, when I got out of bed today up in Sarasota, if I had woke up and the Spirit had said to me, I don't want you to take I-75 today, I'd like you to just take Tamiami Road all the way down 41. I'd say, God, not going that way. I'd like to actually get there on time. No, no, but that's kind of what happened. You aren't gonna take the main road, Philip. I've got something along the road of life that you aren't ready for. And let me tell you how I think the Spirit speaks to us. Somehow he got to this juncture, could have taken the main road, and somehow he felt an impression from God, I want you to go a different way. Now I'm sure he argued a little bit because people didn't take this road. It was a dangerous road. You could get hurt on this road. But he felt the Spirit say, take this road. And it wasn't long after he listened to that impression. So if you want to hear what I think, when God speaks to me, he puts a name on my mind. He puts a person on my mind. He tells me to go talk to someone. I met Haley today. I met another couple that came into that first service out of Chicago, here for the first time. And God just brought him into my path. I was at the airport Friday morning, flying out of Indianapolis, and a young couple that sat here on the front row today, they were going to Sarasota, and they were from my church in Muncie, and they came up behind me and surprised me. I'm glad I was behaving myself. Come on, you better behave yourself on the road. And they said, Pastor, we cannot believe, and they had never introduced themselves to me, and they told me how I touched their life, and they go, we're going to go to our church plant in Cape Coral. I go, I got really bad news for you. You get me again. Come on, people, that's hilarious. They showed, they drove all the way down here. Unbelievable, because God impressed on their heart. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You get a name to pray for someone. You, it's your kid, and you just know it's so heavy. You should go that way, and you never know where the road of life's going to take you. 
Let me tell you something. I spoke in Daytona just recently over the last two years. I go down to help a, a Christian school there raise some money for a non, it's a nonprofit school. And so I was down there two years ago, and I'll never forget this night because I was helping them do a big auction. And so they asked me to give one of my inspirational talks out of that book, What Are the Odds, that I gave to you, Haley. And uh, so I gave a bunch of stories. Now listen, look at me. I didn't talk about my kids. I didn't talk about my grandkids. I didn't bring anything up my family. I just told some What Are the Odds stories, okay? And so after that was over, a couple kind of wandered up. There's a, a blonde and her, and her husband. There's a good-looking young couple, you know, looked like they were in their 30s or whatever. And she came up. And she stopped in front of me. She goes, I want to thank you. She goes, and I need to ask my husband this right now. He, she hadn't asked him. She, she goes, honey, can I tell him our story? And I'll never forget his response. I love it when husbands do this. Well, that would be interesting because you've never told my parents or yours. Come on, people. That's awesome. I kept thinking, what's she going to tell me? Never told her parents or his parents. And she looked at me and said, we'd spent $100,000. We'd done the IVF thing, the in vitro thing. We couldn't have a baby. We'd spent $100,000 and we didn't have a baby. And someone pointed me to an article that they read and told me that God had kind of spoken to them and said that I could go see this doctor. And, that I, and they pointed their finger at me and said, you know what, you can't carry your own embryo but you could carry an adopted embryo. Now up until this point in my life, I know, I know all about this now, but I knew nothing about this. Now listen, I had not talked about my kids. I hadn't told her that my, my daughter-in-law, my new daughter-in-law married to my son, had had five miscarriages. I hadn't told any part of the story. But the Holy Spirit impressed upon her to go down a different road tonight and tell this story. And she said, I got two implants of adopted embryos and I have twin girls and then she meant she was an awesome woman with unbelievable energy and she said and they look just like me <laughs> and I said you know what I said look at me I said I didn't tell you about my son tonight I said my daughter-in-law she's overwhelmed and she she called me the other day weeping and I, I told her I was gonna pray that God would give her a baby she pointed her finger at me and said, can I call your daughter-in-law? She can't carry her own embryo. They're going to spend $80,000 and have no baby. They'd already spent sixty. And I said, well, that's a personal call. Come on, I know I'm out there. I said, how about me making a pre-call before your call? Come on. <laughs> so I made that call a couple years ago. You want to throw one picture up for me today? You want to see the results of that? Come on, give it up out there. Don't just sit there. That's Ellis. That's our adopted embryo. Is that an awesome young boy? Unbelievable. Because, you want to say it with me? You never know. Come on, say it with me. You never know where the road of life is going to take you. And if you'll listen, you get it, the Holy Spirit impressed upon her to tell me something she hadn't even told her own parents or his parents. Why? I hadn't even brought up my kids because God is an awesome God that will take care of them. And so Philip gets sent down this path. Now here's what God also does. Makes it really personal. You want to have punch? You want to have potency? then you got to get close to people. So the Holy Spirit said, go down this desert road, doesn't know where he's going. All of a sudden the Spirit says, 
Ah, there's a chariot over there. He sees this man riding in a chariot, okay? And he's thinking, well, I'm not going to mess with that. But then all of a sudden the spirit says, go stay close to that chariot. Now, to stay close to a chariot, you even have to run alongside it. Come on, this is a bizarre scene. We never read the Bible creatively. Now he's running alongside the chariot. And the man's reading out of the book of Isaiah, the text tells us. And he's reading about the lamb that was slaughtered on our behalf. He's reading about a prophecy about Jesus. And he'd come from a worship thing. He was a God-fearer. He wasn't a Christian, but he was reading this. And, and Philip's run alongside because God said, God always says, if you'll listen, get close to people. Don't just bombard them. Don't go throw yourself on. Get close to them so you can find out what's going on, so you can care. That's what God does. And he's close enough, and this is what happens. He hears him reading, so he asks an interesting question that fit this, the meaning of the moment. See, sometimes we ask questions that never fit the meaning. We're not close to people. So then we preach at them, or we say something like, hey, do you know if you were to die today, whether you'd go to heaven or hell? Well, that's a warm question, isn't it? Come on. I used to ask that all the time. And then all of a sudden I realized, I guess I should get close to people and then ask what's going on in their life. So he was close enough. You want to have potency? You want to get CP in your life? Get close to people and listen what's going on. Then you'll ask a meaningful question. Look what happens. How can I, the guy says, unless someone explains it to me, and he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. How can I understand unless somebody tells me? You got to get close, you got to get close to people. You want to make a difference in your life. You got to get close to people. My daughter, my youngest daughter, Annie, you know, all your kids are so different, you know. The first one's so easy. I don't know why the first one is congenial, so you'll have more. We had Leah and said, she reasons with us, she listens to us, let's have more. Then we had Brady Bunch and thought, let's stop. Come on, let's stop. Because Brady, he threw himself on the floor. He never listened or anything. He was unbelievable. So we thought, let's don't have any more. But then we had a surprise. Come on, come on. You don't want to have more? Get fixed. Come on, okay. So, so then Annie surprised us. Now listen, listen to me. Annie has loved God at the highest level. You talk about potency for Christ. And almost overboard. Now, I was a pastor. You're going to judge me for what I say next. But she'd go to these youth conventions. I was standing by her one night when the speaker meant well but got up and, and said, sign the purity card. Come on, now, don't be mad at me when I say it. Sign the purity card. And I said, Annie, don't sign it. Come on, come on. You've got to love me. You didn't even smile. I said, no, I said, if, uh, Annie, if God could have solved our sin problem with a card, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. Come on, you're not, you're not with me. He'd have, he'd have dropped a bunch of call, cards to say, sign them and say you'll never sin again. Come on. You didn't sign a card. You needed a savior. But I stood by her, but don't worry. She's so passionate for Jesus. She signed the card. And I was proud of her. That's great. And she, don't worry, she kept, she kept her promise. And then she went to college. And then the phone call came. This was the toughest phone call I ever had to get. But she was crying so hard. Still hard to tell, I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit said, just tell her you know. Because she's been faithful. Okay, Annie, I know. It's okay, honey. She couldn't even cry. I said, you're going to have a baby, right? Yeah, Dad, how did you know? Because I told you not to sign the card. Come on, people. <laughs> only one time? No, only one time. No, I'm not covering for you. One time. She loved Jesus so much. Then she quit crying. She said, Dad, this is more important to tell you. After we messed up, I asked Jesus to forgive me. And the next morning, James asked me to go buy plan B. 
at Walgreens. We didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know we were pregnant. I could have just gone and bought that. But the Holy Spirit said, you don't have to make another wrong choice to try to fix this. I'll be with you. Are you with me, people? Do you know the Lord I'm talking about? Do you know Jesus who speaks to us and says that? And she didn't. You want to throw one more picture up for me? See that beautiful girl in the end? That's Ada. Come on. She said, I'm not going to go get plan B. And that girl is awesome. That's my oldest granddaughter. It's going to be 13 in January. And she loves Jesus. And she, she is on fire. And Annie, guess what Annie's doing? Is God awesome or what? Go stay close to people. So every day Annie works with pregnant teens. She's got her master's in counseling. And she's helping these girls make right choices. And know Jesus. Come on, people. God is awesome. You want to have potency? HP plus close personal relationships. And almost always God uses us out of our pain, not our talent. And then he adds clear communication. So he started with that passage and told the Ethiopian the good news about Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you one other quick story. Because this one we've heard all of our life and God gave me a new insight. So this is brand new. And I can't wait to tell you this. You guys know the Samaritan story. It tells us in the scriptures in Luke chapter 10 that an expert in the law came up to Jesus one day. Oh, he was a legalist, man. He kept all the rules. He signed the card. Come on, people. <laughs> and had all of his kids sign the card. Like, we're going to be good. Oh, no, but we can't be good on our own. We can only give our life to Jesus. And he said to Jesus, how do I have eternal life? So Jesus set him up, man. I love Jesus. How do you read the law? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's all, that's all. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you read it correctly. But don't worry. This guy's wired just like the rest of us. We always want to justify ourselves if we go down the legalistic path, don't we? We want, we want to be perfect. So he goes, who's my neighbor? Oh man, what a moment. And I would never seen this before. So Jesus says, let me tell you a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to, to Jericho. He was attacked by robbers. He was a Jewish man. He was attacked by robbers, and they beat him, they stripped him of his clothes, and they left him there half dead. Shortly after, a priest happened to be going down that road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So here we have this righteous guy that goes on the other side. He's not gonna help. It's a Jewish man, he should have helped him. But he, he didn't have time to do the CP part. He'd have to get close. He'd have to get involved. Then not too long after that, a Levite, a very prominent person, one of the leaders, one of the elders of the church, he's on the other side of the road because he doesn't want to get personally involved. Now here's where it gets explosive. In this culture, Jesus knew Samaritans and Jewish people hated each other. They despised each other. I couldn't even overstate. They wouldn't even have anything to do with each other. And he said, a Samaritan stopped. Now listen what happened. You talk about close personal contact. He stopped. He bandaged his wounds personally. He poured oil. If you knew the Greek, he poured, it was a lethal. He took medical treatment to this man. He took him and put him on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him for a day. 
did everything he could to make sure this guy would recover, then took two days' wages to denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. And then he said this phrase that we all overlook. You want something explosive? Here it is. When I return, I will make sure you get paid for anything it costs beyond this. I'll take care of everything needed. And the phrase, when I return, is the same phrase Jesus uses when he said to his disciples, I'm going to go away, but when I return, it's going to be better for you. Because I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Because you never know. Come on, say it with me. You never know where the road of life is going to take. Come on, say it with me. You never know where the road of life is going to take you. And you need my presence. You need the very person of Jesus through the Holy Spirit speaking to you every day to meet the need. You know what? You guys are on the verge of being one of the most explosive churches in this town. You're already there. And I don't know why this happens with the law of large numbers. But when you start pushing to 280, by the way, I resigned the church plan I had a year two, two and a half to three because I was exhausted, just like Paul was. So I said, Paul, you are like months away from explosiveness in Cape Coral. Because I'll never forget, a friend of mine went and met Rick Warren. I'm not dropping that name. Rick became a friend, and he said, Robin Wood, don't you resign. You are probably 40, 60 people away from taking the city of Phoenix because the church grows itself after 300. And what Satan always wants to have happen is for you to quit right now. And you can draw a straight line from that word to about 4,000 people. Look at me, people. You want to have maximum impact? Then you receive what was just said from Jesus. You know what? We preach the Samaritan story. And you know what? <laughs> we always say, be the Samaritan. Be the good person. You're not the Samaritan. At best, you're the guy beat up. Come on. <laughs> at best. Some of you are the priests who are more righteous than whatever. You didn't laugh at me, say, don't sign the card. Come on, enjoy yourself. <laughs> And then some of you, you know, you're somewhere else in the story. But guess what? We're not. Guess what God told me? The Samaritan is Jesus. He came. And when no one else would do anything about your sin, when no one else would come to your rescue, he went to the cross. And when he returns, he's going to make everything right down these roads of life that you've gone and he said, when I go away, which he's already done, I will send the Holy Spirit, and I will make my home in you until I permanently return. Jesus. Jesus is a Samaritan. That's the good news. Now go back to the first passage. Philip took that very moment, and he shared the good news about Jesus. See, our problem is we tell people the bad news. We tell people they're sinners. Now, we should. That's what we are. We are the broken people. We are the sinners. And we do need a Savior. But I'll never forget, 
Most people are one or two questions away and Satan's keeping them from giving their life to Jesus because he says, you can never change. I'll never forget when Scott came up to me in Casper, Wyoming. And he said, listen, I just need one question answered. He said, I cannot quit smoking. Can I go to heaven if tomorrow I don't quit? I want to give my life to Jesus. Can I go to heaven if I keep smoking? I said, yes, but you'll get there quicker. Okay, that was, that was funny. Have a little humor in your life, right? I said, listen, Scott, God can take care of that. You do not withhold from Jesus. He'll take care of that. Here's the good news, Scott. He will redeem your life and transform you. Don't worry. That's been the least of Scott's life. That, that ended within a month or two. He can take care of any habit. He can take care of any sin in your life. He can take care of any shame. Because the good news is that Jesus is a Samaritan who stopped and gave his life for us. And he bandaged our wounds and he poured oil into our wounds and he gave us a new start now listen i didn't give my life to jesus till i was 19 years old and my friend that led me to christ finally took me to hear a guy by the name of tony campolo i went to hear tony campolo this is an old old story but this one this changed my life forever because i'd never heard anybody preach like this Tony got up and he said, now, I used to go to a white church in Philadelphia when I was young, but then the neighborhood changed, but my family stayed at the church. It became an African-American church, but my family stayed because we bought the offering plates on the carpet. Come on, people, that's hilarious. You don't leave where you put your money, come on. So he said, but it was the most dynamic church in Philadelphia, and so I learned under African-American pastors. I did too, by the way. And so he said, he said, it changed my life. He said, because they were the best preachers in the world, and they taught me how to preach. I said, the problem with preaching in a white church is they sit there and just look at you, like you did today, you know. <laughs> but he said, if you're good, and you're preaching in an African-American church, then at least, at least the elders shout, preach it! He said, at least the spiritual women wave their handkerchiefs and says, well, tell me more. Come on, wave the handkerchiefs. And then he said, at least the, the, the deacons will walk towards you and say, come on, tell me, tell me more. I'm with you, I'm with you. So people are walking towards you. They're shouting, preaching. The place comes apart. Tony said, at my church, we used to have one Saturday a year, we brought in 10 of the top preachers, and the, it, would, it would last all day Saturday. They'd start around 10 a.m., and we'd preach through the evening. We'd have lunch together and dinner together, and he said, every preacher got better than the next one, got better than the next one. He said, I was number six on the dock one year. They asked me to join the group. And he said, I got up. He said, I preached so good, I wanted to take notes on myself. Come on. <laughs> He said, I was lighting it up. They were yelling, preach it, and they were welling, and they were walking towards me. He said, I sat down. I was exhausted. I sat down by my pastor, Pastor Hoger, who was next on the docket, and I said, can you top that? Come on, you'd never say that in a white church. <laughs> he grabbed my knee and said, son, you just watch. And he said, Dr. Hoger got up, and he started real soft. He said, it was Friday. And Jesus was on a cross. But that was Friday. Sunday's coming. See, you're just sitting there. Come on, somebody say, preach it. <laughs> it was Friday. Friday, Mary was crying her eyes out. And the disciples were running in every direction like sh sheep without a shepherd. But that was Friday. Sunday's coming. Get it. Yeah. Thank you. It was Friday. Friday, the demonic was in control. It looked like Satan had Jesus dead. Peter had denied Jesus, but that was Friday. Sunday's coming. Listen, he went on like this, he said, for 45 minutes. By the time he was done, he just leaned back and yelled, Friday! 
And the whole place yelled, no, come on, better, ready? Sunday's coming. People, the good news is that all of the ugliness of your life like mine, because I think of it, Jesus died on the cross. He healed your wounds. He poured his own blood into your life. By his stripes we are healed. And the good news is the Holy Spirit can live in your life and speak to you and tell you to go down different paths to make a difference and to love people and can take your brokenness like my daughter Annie and change hundreds of girls' lives and can use my daughter-in-law to tell this story. You can carry an adopted embryo and give life, not just to Ellis, but to more and more children. I want you to bow your heads. And here's what I want to ask you. Would you ask Jesus to return in a fresh way to your life today to speak to you, to lead you into close personal relationships through the Holy Spirit, to take you down paths you've never been willing to go down, to have maximum impact for the kingdom of God. If you would do that, would you just raise your hand real quick? Just put it up. Amen. Put your hand up right away. You know that you will listen to the Holy Spirit and ask him to take residency in your life. Lord Jesus, thank you for the responsiveness of this church. And thank you that I believe they're on the verge of taking this entire city for you. Would you help them be faithful to your still small voice and to go down any path that you lead them? Thank you for Drew, the new youth pastor here, Lord. Thank you for this worship team and for Aspen, for the entire Burns family. Thank you for Cassie and Derry. Thank you, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you that you've given a place that's safe find healing and wholeness. Lord, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, the good news. Help us to tell everyone we know they can be forgiven and healed. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Would you stand as we close in worship? Please?